everybody, and welcome back to the Outbreak Podcast, an outlet for discussing creativity and the great beyond. We also discuss everything from gaming to film to the dark and dreary corners of the internet. I'm your host on this wild ride, William Key. How's everybody doing today? This is episode 86 of the podcast. Um, I'm actually doing pretty good. So this week is uh, it's a little quiet around the house this week uh, because my, my wife Sam is actually on, I'm air quote vacation she does this thing where she goes uh, uh away to this camp in stoville um and does like lifeguarding for the week to get some money on the side and she so she does this lifeguarding gig once once a year at the end of the summer just before the kids go away to school and it's for a former uh employer that uh she used to work for that basically it's a house that you know has a bunch of sort of mentally challenged adults and so she's basically a um a lifeguard for the the week at this camp and gets paid for it and then she gets kind of house and board and food and so she's away this is actually her first time i think a full week away from finn so it's just me and finn at the house this week which you know so far so good nothing set on fire yet it's been pretty straightforward i actually just put him down for bed and he is just starting to settle in uh to finally go to sleep i think yeah he so far he's just kind of laying there i think he's finally falling asleep another personal update in life is that i'm actually I've actually signed up back for the gym. So I am now officially back at Good Life uh, here in Ontario. Um, and I am back at the gym. Uh, so far, kind of working my way up two to three times a week. Um, just sort of getting a feel for things. I've taken um, a spin class. I took a body pump class, which is sort of like with like a bar and, and weights and a lot of lunges uh, and push-ups and stuff like that. I also did some uh, some reps on machines. I'm just trying to get a feel for like how much weight I can actually handle because it's been a while since I've been at the gym. It's been too long since I've been to the gym actually. And so I'm just trying to get back into the swing of things there. Uh, But I'm going to try to commit to doing it uh, more occasionally, you know, trying to boost my cardio, trying to boost my muscle, trying to boost my my stamina because I'm not getting any younger and the dad bod's really starting to sink in. So I'm trying to be in the best possible shape that I can so that way... Uh, I guess in the long run, I can be on this earth happier and healthier than ever. And there seems to be some correlations between physical fitness and mental health as well. Uh, I've heard that they're pretty close in close in range, you know, the more fit and the more healthy and active you are, the happier you are. And suffice it to say, aside from some of the typical weekly anxieties that I deal with, I'm in a fairly decent mood this week. Um, nothing has really gotten me down majorly, you know, I, uh, typical things, you know, I'm stressed about like money. Uh, we actually had a bit of a, an interest rate hike here in, in Canada, uh, with the mortgage rate, in, uh, interest rates. So I know there's a couple of, uh, a couple of friends who are probably going to be a little more worried than I am about interest rates going up again. Cause it's going to mean that they're going to have to kind of tighten their belt straps for being able to make, uh, ends meet with mortgage payments. Because mortgage payments were basically at an all-time low back in 2020 and 2021. It was very hard to, I mean, it wasn't necessarily hard to get in on the housing market, but if you had the money, you could buy in. And now they're trying, they're realizing that like, we're, we're sort of nearing a recession. So they're trying to sort of curb that and deal with the inflation and, 
you know, it's meant that we're paying a lot more for gas. It means we're paying a lot more for food and our house, housing, mortgage, all that is also going up as well. I'm currently still renting, obviously, but, you know, Sam and I have plans to eventually buy a home down the line. And we're hoping that when things are starting to settle down, we'll be in a much better place to do so. But of course, you know, I'm stressing about money, things like that, making sure the car is upkept, um, making sure I have money to be able to pay for hockey this year, making sure that we can make our all of our bill payments. You know, it's just like the regular weekly, biweekly grind, so to speak, when you're kind of living semi paycheck to paycheck. We're also coming out of the summer where we were making a bit of an extra side income and now we're not going to be getting that. So this is probably a little too much information to kind of go into on this podcast in terms of our money situation. But, you know, it wouldn't be the uh, sort of a personal podcast if I didn't sort of divulge the things that are going on in my life. Obviously, I'm not telling you guys how much I make bi-weekly, clearly. I'm not even saying how much my wife makes bi-weekly, but like we were doing pretty good. You know, I'd say in the summer we were doing, we were a little more comfortable. And then as school year starts up, it, it gets a little tighter. Um, you know, we don't always have that opportunity to do our side gigs and stuff like that. And certainly, you know, the podcast doesn't pay to the side, but we make our, we make ends meet. We, we pay the bills. We keep food on the table. We have a roof over our heads. So like that's really all that matters at the end of the day. And the most important thing to sort of curb anxiety, curb the worry is sort of, and, and this is something I talked about with my wife over the weekend when we were thinking about anxiety when it comes to things that are sort of out of our control. And, you know, this could be something that could be talked about on a conscience call episode if I ever decide to do one. But this is sort of a mini. Within this episode, we'll do a mini one. You, you have to worry about the things that are within your control. You know, we are certainly in control of how much we are spending, how much we are saving, how much uh, food we buy, how much uh, food we take in, whether or not we decide to go to the gym, whether or not we decide to gas up our car, you know, things that we're in control of that we can manage. And we can't worry about the the what ifs necessarily, because that's the stuff that gets you. That's the stuff that certainly gets me is the sort of overthinking the what ifs. It, it always tends to boggle my mind and it clouds my judgment. And I'm trying to let myself get to a point where it's okay to have those come up because that's your anxiety sort of warning you of those potential threats. But then you have to kind of lean back into it and say, listen, it's fine. I'm under control. I got this, you know, and that's sort of what I picked up from being in therapy. And so if you guys haven't signed up for therapy and you have a, uh, a provider that allows you to go and seek therapy. I, I definitely do so because it's, it's even if you don't have like major issues going on in your life, I think everybody deals with bouts of anxiety. They deal with, you know, stuff like relationship issues, family issues, loneliness, uh, financial woes, uh, maybe a sudden death in the family. I found that like dealing with therapy has really helped to sort of make me realize that my feelings are valid. Um, and, yeah, my thoughts are valid in those moments. It's it's my anxiety warning me and bracing me for the potential danger. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, if, if I continue to do sort of daily, you know, weekly gratitude checks, check-ins with myself, uh, also realize that my uh, my thoughts, my emotions are not the, like the be-all end-all. My sort of, my thing is that 
my anxiety kind of makes it seem as if my issues are more important than people around me. So I'm trying to let myself realize that there are other people, you know, my wife included, and family that are going through similar issues. It may not be the same issues, but they may be de- dealing with their own woes. So just kind of taking into account what other people are feeling um, and not letting my feelings cloud over somebody else's. I don't know how we got into this massive topic about anxiety and money and depression. And we're 11 minutes in. I'm noticing that these episodes are getting longer and longer and longer. It's because I'm getting a lot more comfortable just sort of shooting the shit with myself, which is kind of sad. I think if obviously if I had a guest on, these podcasts would be way too long. They'd be like two hours of just rambling on about nothing. But I think it's important that I give you sort of a full-fledged episode and I'm kind of I used to like the sort of 10 to 20 minute length, but I'm finding I'm kind of finding a good groove with the half hour to 40 minute episodes. And I think you guys do too. I think if you're going to wait about a week or two between episodes, you want to have something that's got a bit of meat in it. That being said, I do want to go into uh, some of the things to discuss, some stuff that I've been watching, some stuff that I've been playing, uh, and a couple of interesting stories that have come up this week. As we all know, We've got some big events coming up this weekend, including Disney Plus Day as well as D23 Expo. I'm going to share some thoughts on that in a moment, but I want to talk about what I've been watching and playing. I actually did roll credits this week on God of War, officially uh, my PlayStation playthrough of God of War. I got to be honest, man, that was a trip. That was a wild ride uh, from start to finish. I felt myself get like much like Ghost of Tsushima. I felt like I was really in tune with the control scheme and, and, and the battle and the combat. And I felt like I was just on cloud nine with, I under, if you hear cows in the background, it's because I have my windows open and I live in the country. I'm hearing cows right now mooing in the distance and it's really annoying. Yeah, I, I mean, I was fully invested in the story and the characters, don't get me wrong. I think that that was amazing. And this father-son story and just watching how Kratos slowly opens up to allow his son in and to, and then to watch Atreus sort of come into his own confidence and his own ability and become this young warrior uh, that is trying to gain his independence and, you know, get out from under his dad's thumb. And he has a bit of an attitude. He bites back at his dad every so often. And, and it's, you know, well known for in the original God of War series. But he's also been hiding this massive secret from Atreus about his past life and how he'd basically been banished to Midgard. And it all comes out and he sort of tells Atreus everything. Atreus learns that he too is a god, much like Kratos. I think that's an important story arc. It sort of gets into his head and you see a bit of a a weak point where Atreus sort of embraces the idea of being a god and being all powerful and how it sort of... You can see the how that idea of him being all-powerful kind of gets in his head and sort of manipulates his judgment. Uh, and Kratos is trying to scale him back and trying to reel him in. Um, but he's being an overprotective father. He does not want his son to make the same mistakes that he did. And he does not want to see his son ultimately perish, much like his mother. You almost forget, as the story goes on, that the whole point of this game is for them to go and spread their... Atreus' mother's ashes on the tallest point, which is, a, I believe, Jotunheim at the end of the game. You have this, this overarching villain in Baldur who 
basically can't take any damage. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm now going into spoiler territory because you sort of learn that Balder is actually the son of Freya, who's one of the characters in the game that sort of helps you throughout, and she's a witch. Uh, and I guess Balder has just, he cannot die until the end of the game when he actually does die. But it sort of drives a wedge between Kratos, Atreus, and Freya, um, which means that there could be repercussions for the sequel. And I had a lot of fun just listening to sort of the the chatter banter between, I can't remember the character's name, but he was sort of that like talking head that you get partway through the game and Atreus, and you sort of learn a bit more backstory about the gods, like Odin and Thor and Tyr. And it's nice to hear that banter as you're sort of sailing around the world, um, sailing around Midgard, doing some side missions. Like I said, I rolled credits on the main story, did a couple of missions after, but I think that I'm pretty well done with the game too, as much as I feel like I can justify it. Uh, so the next game I will be playing some point this week when I find some time is going to be Persona 5. Um, and I'm going to try to play as much of that as I can before next week's episode, let you guys know where I'm at on that. Otherwise, though, I I would give God of War a solid 8.5 out of 10. I think if it's near perfect. I don't want to ever give a game a 10 out of 10. I used to throw away 10s in, back in the day like like it was nothing. Um, but I think that this is a very solid entry, very easy to pick up and understand the controls. The combat is fun. It's, it is gruesome, but it is so rewarding to, to see yourself just kind of chain combos and moves and switch between the chaos blades, which I love way more than the ax, which I used basically 75% of the game, but you start to learn which weapons are good against which foes and you can, you know, add perks and you can change you can add perks and sort of gems and and sockets to your weapons to your armor to give yourself abilities you know you can easily increase your attack and defense but then you have like cooldown runic uh luck and stuff which that's more reliant on the talismans and things that you're attaching to your characters as well as your weapons and your abilities and yeah, like there's definitely a, a whole bunch more that I have to unlock, but I don't know if I'm going to go back and try to 100% the game. I kind of just want to move on. I, I'm not I'm not a completionist by any means, um, but it is it it is making me more excited for God of War Ragnarok. And I did sign up for Save the Game Media's con- uh, contest to see if I can win a free downloadable uh, code for God of War Ragnarok. So I am hoping that I get it because if it's coming for the PS4, I will certainly be playing it. Also, I want to talk about a quick movie that I watched. I finally watched the Elvis movie. Uh, It actually showed up on Crave uh, yesterday, and I recorded it, watched it all in one sitting. That's a long movie, almost two hours and 40 minutes. But it was surprisingly really well done. I have seen some works from Baz Luhrmann, who's the director. I think I watched Great Gatsby. That was one of his and he has a certain style. He's sort of like an auteur. Like he's a he's a very artsy director. It's not a traditional one-to-one biopic like your Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man. Uh, and it actually tells the story from the perspective of Elvis Presley's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, who I didn't even know this side of the story. So it was interesting to watch the film through his, this character's eyes. And Tom Hanks does, does a great job playing this sort of antagonistic role. Austin Butler, who I believe was a relative unknown. I think he started in like Disney shows. Um, 
he just he looked and sounded the part of Elvis perfectly. Uh, I would imagine he sang the songs, but he got the voice. He nailed the voice like spot on. And I'm curious because, I mean, my mom is actually a massive fan of Elvis. And if you don't believe me, she had like a shrine in our old apartment dedicated to Elvis. That was like basically tucked away in a corner that we never accessed. It was like a wall of Elvis memorabilia. She's been to Graceland twice, you know, down in Memphis. Came home one time, was like deathly sick. I guess ate some like bad Sonic or something like that, like Sonic restaurant food. But she's a she's a mega fan of Elvis and... It was so funny watching this film and then seeing them sort of dramatize Elvis when he's first sort of shaking his pelvis around. And the girls are basically just like they're having like orgasms in the in the audience. They're like they can't believe that he's doing this. And to see this sort of origin from a young boy who basically dreamt of being a superhero like Captain Marvel was his favorite superhero. Um, And Captain Marvel, I'm talking Shazam, like the the DC version to basically becoming a superhero in the music industry, becoming the, you know, king of rock and roll. And unfortunately, you know, his life being cut short due to heart failure, um, which was brought on by excessive drug and alcohol use. And, you know, the fact that his family, um, his daughter, Priscilla Presley, and even his granddaughter, uh, have all approved of the film, have all approved of Austin Butler's performance it shows that there's been that there is heart behind this film and it is a fast paced two hour and two and a half hour film like it's not there's no real slow parts like it really keeps the pace going and it's entertaining from start to finish uh if i could give this a rating i'd probably give it like a seven and a half out of ten i think it's a very solid b plus movie um you know had its points or maybe it needed to slow down a bit but you know what i think that it sort of took the idea of a traditional music biopic, turned it on its head, especially considering Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man have came out uh, last year. This is different, but it's it's a nice homage to to Elvis Presley. Uh, Want to go into some quick upcoming thoughts on Disney Plus Day and D23 Expo. We're going to get some major news this weekend. In fact, my phone's going to be flooded with news. I, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to sit still. I'm going to be getting like jumping in my seat while I'm doing whatever the heck I'm doing. I don't even know if I'm going to be focusing when I'm on Sean Capri's show on Friday. There's some big news. We're going to finally potentially get the rest of the slate for Phase 6. We got a tease at, at uh, Comic-Con, including you know Fantastic Four as well as the two Avengers films. But we had a bunch of empty slots, which they Kevin Feige has promised we're going to get more details on. We're going to finally get some confirmation as to the cast of Fantastic Four. May even get some more news on, like, say, is Spider-Man 4 going to happen in Phase 6? Or is it going to happen in Phase... We might even get some Phase 7 news. People people seem to think we're going to get some Phase 7 news, which I'm very surprised at because we still have a lot of announcements in Phase 6 that have to be revealed, including certain television shows as well as certain movies. Uh, people thinking that the X-Men could happen sometime in Phase 6. I... I would like them to hold off personally because I think that phase six and five, as we're entering phase five next year, it's going to be pretty jam-packed with story. I think softly introducing Fantastic Four is a pretty good move uh, considering it's it's leading ahead of Secret Wars and, and the Kang Dynasty. I think that's you know ripe for those characters to be introduced. I think we've already sown the seeds um, in Miss Marvel and as especially in the upcoming Black Panther Wakanda Forever, that mutants do exist in this world. 
but I don't think we need to introduce all the X-Men right away. I'm a big fan of Cosmic Wonder on YouTube. Go follow him. He does some um, pretty good sort of like reviews. He does like watch parties, but he also talks about rumors, leaks, potential thoughts on uh, announcements and stuff like that throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's been obviously following this very closely. He has some thoughts on the potential of Phase 7 after the Multiverse Saga is finally complete. He thinks that it could be the Mutant Saga, that the X-Men could start to be introduced uh, in Phase 7 in potential, uh, the same potential way that we were led into the Avengers. There could be some solo films for characters like Storm, Wolverine, Cyclops, Jean Grey that could lead towards building the X-Men. I think that's a cool idea. It's unique, and you get to... to delve into these characters in a much deeper way that you didn't really see in the original X-Men films. They were all just kind of brought together and already a team. But these characters all have their own backstories. They all have history within the comics and they have history apart from the X-Men, before the X-Men. So that's something that I would love to see these characters um, get more of a deep dive, whether it be on a Disney Plus show or in a movie. Uh, That's all I really want to talk about in terms of D23 Expo. Again, I'm assuming the next podcast is going to dive heavily into everything that's been announced at D23 and Disney Plus Day. So stay tuned for that. I would love to record that next week. Now getting into our official stories, realizing that we're already 25 minutes in, this is going to be a pretty lengthy episode. I do apologize. So there was a massive story that dropped today, uh, and it actually spawned from a comment made from uh, PlayStation boss Jim Ryan. He said that in sort of discussions with the Microsoft CEO, Phil Spencer, over the future of Call of Duty, that, you know, Phil Spencer has stated that Call of Duty is going to last several more years uh, as a multi-platform story. But according to the head of PlayStation, Jim Ryan, he's put his own statement out in the public And it sort of erupted into this console war custody battle for Call of Duty. He's put out his own statement clarifying this several more years comment from Phil Spencer saying that the deal would only last three years and fail to take account of the impact on our gamers. So Jim Ryan said in a statement on Wednesday uh, to GameIndustry.biz, I hadn't intended to comment on what I understood to be a private business discussion, but I feel the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer brought this into the public forum. Microsoft has only offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current agreement between Activision and Sony ends. After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account of the impact on our gamers. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality Call of Duty experience, and Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle. So, you know, this is sort of a drastic departure from, you know, this whole multi-platform cross-play environment that we've built up with games such as Rocket League, with Call of Duty, with Overwatch, with Destiny, as it seems as though Activision Blizzard is looking to pull Call of Duty away from everybody and keep it on their own platform. That's alienating a massive audience over on Sony. And I think Jim Ryan was right in making a statement to clarify this. This could very well you know, shift the tide in terms of the decision to maybe dial back on his comments in regards to Call of Duty. I think that despite the fact that companies are buying up, you know, larger companies left, right, and center, you know, with Sony buying Bungie this year, Microsoft purchasing Activision Blizzard, 
despite the fact that they're purchasing these these com- these companies, they have to look at the the current crop of games that are being produced and realize that the idea of gaming in this new day and age is that we all need to be connected somehow. Games like Call of Duty and Overwatch, World of Warcraft, they bring people together on multiple platforms, especially the first two I mentioned because they're shooter games. You can play them on your phones. You can play them on the PC. You can play them on the Switch. You can play them on the Xbox. You can play them on the PlayStation. To have that cross-platform play, it enables people to not have to worry about shifting over to buy one console. But Jim Ryan's comments make it seem as though uh, Phil Spencer is really trying to pull people away from purchasing a Sony product. And if people who are dedicated to Call of Duty want to continue to play Call of Duty, that they only really are going to be able to have access to it either through a PC, like a modded PC or, or rigged up PC, that's what I meant, or on an Xbox Series X or S. I don't think it's fair. Again, I'm not a huge Call of Duty fan, but I side with Jim Ryan here. I actually think that it doesn't make sense to exclusively put a game like Call of Duty at the scale that it is on one console. I think it deserves to be played by everybody. And I would even loop Overwatch into that too. I think that because they are produced by the same company, there's that risk that Overwatch could also become an exclusive uh, platform game. I don't think it's fair. You know, my friend Adam, he's a massive Call of Duty fan. I can't imagine if he wanted to jump on Call of Duty, uh, he wouldn't be able to play online with people who are playing on the Xbox. What would that even look like, like in terms of an online only store for for Call of Duty games currently on the PlayStation consoles? Like, would that just stop? I I have no idea. It's not really clear. I'm waiting to see if Phil Spencer is going to make a rebuttal to Jim Ryan's comments, but we haven't seen anything yet. Otherwise, though, I think we're going to move on to our next story. As you know, I've made my comments on Halo Infinite uh, on this podcast. Not too much, but over on on Royal City Gamescast, where I've guessed it a couple of times. It's a, it's a well-talked-about topic that Halo Infinite has sort of had a bit of a messy rollout. You know, the game came out, I believe, two years ago now? Or maybe, was it a year ago or two years ago now? And they're only just starting to lay, roll out the next phase that is supposed to include the forge mode, which on Halo 5 and in Halo 4 and all those past games was available at launch. They actually revealed that they've had to cancel split screen co-op in order to move their assets towards some of the more important things that they wanted to roll out. So let's look at their actual slate of um, the next couple of months. So the winter update, which is set from to start November 8th to March 7th, is supposed to include the Forge Beta, Campaign Network Co-op and Mission Replay, two, two new maps, and a 30-tier Battle Pass. Now, we've also got Match XP Beta, Joint Fire, which is January event, Covert One Flag, which is a new game mode, a December event called Winter Contingency 2, and Quality of Life Improvements. This is followed by Echoes Within, which is Season 3 officially, and March 7th to June 27th. You're going to get New Maps, Arena, and Big Team Battle, Shroud Screen, which is new equipment, the 100-tier Battle Pass, a new weapon, the M392 Bandit, which essentially looks like the DMR, Custom Game Browser, In-Game Reporting, New Game Modes VIP and Escalation, New Fracture Event, Forge Beta Updates, a new Narrative Event, and Quality of Life Improvements. 
obviously the biggest story that came from this aside from the fact that now we're finally getting the forge beta and it it looks decent but we should have had it at launch date i think 343 is really playing doing our fans dirty fans of halo are are possibly going to hop off the idea that they're taking away split screen co-op which is something that's been a staple in halo games from halo 1 on 2000 and in the 2001 days the, the fact that they are not able to even give us that it just goes to show that like i don't think 343 really cares about its audience very much they're trying to deal with this with keeping halo a live service game the buy-in for Halo is relatively cheap, you know what I mean? Because it's available on Game Pass, so you technically get the game for free. And you can kind of hop on, you can buy things here and there. But it's an incomplete game, and they're sort of patching it as they go. People have been waiting for a long time for Forge Mode, and they've been waiting for a long time for Co-op. And I feel as if this lackluster update and the announcement of Season 3 next year... I feel like there's going to be a massive drop-off of players from Halo Infinite. I think they'll circle back around when the ne the new season comes out, because that always tends to be the way. People don't just jump off and ju stay off forever. But there are going to be a, a massive amount of people dropping off this game. I have not seen really much positive feedback on this, uh, on this announcement, especially not for the split-screen co-op being dropped. Forge Mode Beta, there was a little bit of hype. But again, is that when it comes out, what how much can you really do with it you know what i mean if it's if it's going to limit you in terms of what you can do with forge and then lock things behind paywalls later on that's not really much fun halo reach had a full extensive forge mode and theater mode and like that was all included on the game at its full price and there was so much you can do you got forge world you had there was so much i mean you bought maps and stuff like that but that's par for the course with halo games back in the day but it was a complete game. It had split screen co-op. It had replayable missions. And it had a campaign that was also replayable. I, I just don't understand why 343 can't get it together for this game. They're trying to make it bigger than it actually is. Make it last as long as something like COD Warzone. And they're not the same game. And Halo is its an industry darling. It's a game that sort of generate our our generation grew up on this this was our for a lot of people our first like actual shooter or or maybe our first online shooter and so yeah it's it's disappointing to see but i really hope that 343 can turn it around so our next story continuing in off of uh last week's story where i talked about the potential leak of assassin's creed that actually did turn out to be true so literally the day after I recorded the podcast, Ubisoft came out with a screenshot from their upcoming uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage. It was confirmed it is set in the 800s Baghdad. I think what's the character's name? Basim, I, I believe. Oh my God, it was a week ago and I can't even remember the character's name. It was originally supposed to be a um, DLC for Valhalla, but it became its own game. So it got confirmed. And we're expected to hear more about this game at the Ubisoft Forward event on September 10th. But in the meantime, we've received a bit more leaks on more potential Assassin's Creed games. So it seems as though the Assassin's Creed machine is humming away, but we could get as many as three different Assassin's Creed games that will be announced alongside the already leaked and confirmed Mirage. So a new report out from Bloomberg, of course, our friend J Jason Schreier, 
which had corroborated an earlier report from TryHard Guides, reveals that Ubisoft is planning to reveal four different Assassin's Creed titles during its September 10th Ubisoft Forward event. Of course, uh, Kotaku, who I'm reading this article from, tried to reach out to Ubisoft, but the publisher obviously didn't respond. According to Jason Schreier, the publisher is going to reveal a new mobile game in the Assassin's Creed franchise, as well as two other major games. The first of which, which was reported back in July, was just codenamed Red, is re- reportedly an open world game that is set in Japan, being developed by Ubisoft Quebec. And the other major game is set in the latter stages of the Holy Roman Empire, which involves witch trials. The game supposedly has a code name Neo or Hex, and that one's being developed by Ubisoft Montreal. So both of these mainline games will be part of the Ubisoft's bigger online platform that's known as Assassin's Creed Infinity, which we learned about last year. So it's exciting to see games that could be potentially set in Japan and the Holy Roman Empire, but the rumors are that these games could be out no earlier than 2024. Which I think is fine, because we've got Mirage. That would probably be the one that drops next year. So that would probably tide people over until the next games. But I think fans have long wanted an Assassin's Creed game set in feudal Japan. So it's cool. I wonder if it's going to be somewhat similar to like a Ghost of Tsushima style. I guess only time will tell. But we'll find out more at this upcoming Ubisoft Forward event. Our next story, and this one actually comes to us from my old website I used to write for, Rely on Horror, uh, actually details a potential leak or rumor in an upcoming new Bioshock game. So according to Twitter user Oops Leaks, a new game in the Bioshock series, which is entitled Bioshock Isolation, I hope they don't stick with that title because Alien Isolation's already been taken, is rumored to be in development. So he began his thread by saying, uh, a lot of people, i getting a lot of information from new people I think it's mostly bullshit, but as I can't confirm anything since I'm no longer in touch with my original source. So some of the information that he received on this game, which may potentially see an announcement as early as TGA 2022 or the PlayStation Showcase, said that the game will not be a PlayStation 5 exclusive, but there has been confirmation that the game may be based in Antarctica, an open world with a main story that has multiple endings. Allegedly, the theme of aggregate states of water plays a huge role in the plot and lore, which will be more extensively revealed through side quests. The narrative is largely built around refugees. The city has become a haven for people who have left Rapture, which ties it back to Bioshock 1 and 2. There are really two cities, the Upper Borealis and the lower one, Aurora, named after the cruiser that play an iconic role in the communist revolution in the Russian empire, hiding under the layers of ice. In the course of the story, you're ent- to enter the prosperous city of Borealis, your goal is to unite the two cities. So this obviously, as I mentioned, should be taken with a massive grain of salt, but this is a pretty detailed uh, description of a potential Bioshock game. I think we've long been waiting for a new title in the Bioshock series. It's by well, the last Bioshock game we got was Infinite, which was back in 2012 or 2013. So it's been a long time. We've been wondering why it's been taking so long for them to produce a new Bioshock game. But I guess maybe with the the change of the industry and how things have been going, maybe this Bioshock game may be developed as another quote-unquote live service game. I don't know. Who knows? I don't think it needs to be. I think that Bioshock in itself does well when it's a massive single-player solo story. 
uh, Bioshock 1, Bioshock 2, and even Bioshock Infinite were all great successes in terms of their story. Um, maybe Bioshock 2 to a lesser extent, but I really enjoyed Bioshock 1. I didn't get to play Infinite, but I heard that it was a really, it was a beautiful game and the story was great as well. So I do hope that some of this is true. I think the idea of setting a story in Antarctica reminds me of, say, like The Thing, like the movie, which maybe there's, you know, goes back to its horror roots, which Bioshock was a pretty scary game. So who knows? Who knows? I guess we'll find out uh, sometime this month if there is a PlayStation Showcase or at the TGA 2022, which is the Game Awards, if you didn't know. Now, this final story is not as much a story as it is sort of a discussion about this upcoming, or not upcoming, but this revolving door of controversy surrounding this one film from Olivia Wilde. Uh, You guys have probably heard about this Don't Worry Darling film, which I think is set to debut at TIFF. Oh, no, sorry. It debuted at the Venice Film Festival on Monday. And there has been a bunch of controversies surrounding this film. And the most recent one being that Chris Pine was basically stoned out of his mind during one of the uh, the watch parties for it. There was another one about Harry Styles apparently hawking a loogie on Chris Pine's lap at the theater, which people are tearing the the footage apart to see if he actually did it even though both styles and pine have denied it happening but it goes even farther back than that i'm pretty sure the first instance i heard about this film was when olivia wilde was talking about this at comic-con on stage and then received divorce papers on stage uh, from her ex-husband jason sudeikis Uh, there was also rumors about uh, a potential rift between olivia wilde and the lead star Florence Pugh after Wilde had began an off-screen relationship with Harry Styles, which that is true. Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde are now currently in a relationship. Apparently Wilde's suggestion that she fired Shia LaBeouf for one of the lead roles, which is a claim that Shia LaBeouf has publicly pushed back on. It This film apparently didn't even review well. I, I heard that Florence Pugh was like the shining star of this film but that Harry Styles' role was sort of like a Stepford wife, but in husband form, and that he was just kind of like uh, just there. He didn't really shine at all. It was Florence Pugh's film through and through. I don't even know what this film was about. Uh, frankly, it, it got me more interested to check it out. But despite all this controversy that's been surrounding this film, it's like every single day I'm reading something new. And it's, it's silly. And in fact, I think it is actually overshadowing the film itself and i i think olivia wilde is probably a fine director i just think that maybe this film is a little cursed and yeah i i don't know what else to say to that you know people like shia labeouf for example are denying that he got fired for example florence Pugh and olivia wilde have also come out and basically squashed the rumors that there's been a feud between the two of them Chris Pine and Harry Styles have both denied that Harry Styles had dropped a loogie on Chris Pine. Everybody's denying it, but yet people still believe that all this stuff has happened and all this stuff is true. I think it's a very strange, controversial thing, and it's unfortunate for this film. But again, even if the controversies weren't existing, it sounds like the film did not perform very well regardless. So... Take that for what you will. If you are interested in seeing this film, I'm sure it'll be available somewhere. It did debut at Venice Film Festival, but I'm sure it'll make the rounds 
on television or maybe on Crave or it'll get picked up. Who knows? That's all I really have to talk about uh, for this week in terms of stories. Why don't we get into our poll question? So last week I asked you guys which Sony first-party IP would make a good mobile entry. This was because uh, Sony had just purchased Savage Game Studios. uh, And so the rumor mill was... You know, they could be taking one of Sony's first party IPs and turning it around into a mobile game. And I made the joke of a Temple Run style game because I really am not familiar with the mobile platform at all. Angry Birds, maybe Sony, Spider-Man, Angry Birds, I don't know. So I gave you guys four choices. We got Spider-Man, God of War, Ratchet and Clank and Horizon. Uh, So much like the poll question the week prior to that, everybody seemed to put their money on Ratchet and Clank. We had four votes, so there were less votes this time around, but 100% of people put their money on Ratchet and Clank. That's interesting, considering that actually Ratchet and Clank was one of the suggestions I got from the At Player 2, which is the Player 2 podcast. Um, so they may have more knowledge than I even know. I think that they're more well-versed in the gaming industry, and they probably know what would work on a mobile platform. And Ratchet and Clank seems like a fun, lighthearted, child-friendly uh, addition to a mobile device so uh, listen here sony ratchet and clank people want ratchet and clank on mobile devices maybe consider that first let's talk about this week's poll question so going off of the controversial halo infinites you know rollout for season three and their new winter update i want to know do you think that you guys are going to continue to play halo infinite well into 2023 despite all the setbacks so answer yes or no Again, this question is now going to be available at the launch of this episode on my personal Twitter account, at Will Key, and the results of the poll will be discussed on next week's episode. Make sure you tune in for that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. That brings us to the end of the show. You can head over to my blog, wkey.wordpress.com, where I occasionally will post feature-length articles, news pieces, or general opinions on anything I find interesting. If you guys want to follow me on social media, here's a couple of places you can check out. This podcast has its own Twitter, all one word, of course. You know, you can't separate words in your Twitter handle, unfortunately. I've tried it. My personal Twitter account, though, which I'm a little more active on, is at Will Key. That is spelled with two E's, not like K-E-Y. But, you know, that's how I tell people how to say my name. I have had my last name spelled with a K-E-Y. You know, if you guys are wondering, it has happened. But I will correct you if you do try to spell it that way. I've even had somebody spell it with three E's before, if you can believe that. Like, who really thinks that there's three E's back-to-back in somebody's last name? That's very strange. Now, over on TikTok, as well as Redbubble, if you search William Outbreak, that'll get you access to either my TikTok account. Um, You can search for some videos that I've made there, some things that I've liked. But you can also search on Redbubble at William Outbreak to find two shirt designs there. Not just shirts. You can find them in sweaters. You can find them in dresses, skirts, clocks, shower curtains, bath mats. Have I said clocks? You can probably like a nice wallet card or a wallet or i think you can i I haven't looked in a while oh you can get the apron i forgot that if you want to put the uh days good throwback there now if you want to join me on my discord server or subscribe to my youtube channel the links are both available in the show notes below if the discord server doesn't work maybe send me a message and i'll send you a new link if you guys are following to this podcast on anchor.fm thank you so much guys if you don't know we're on anchor Anchor anchor.fm backslash the outbreak podcast but Anchor does distribute this podcast to any listening platform of your desires. If you guys have Apple Podcasts or Spotify, 
Google, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music plus Audible, TuneIn plus Alexa. We're all over the map. Now, if you guys are listening to this on any of those platforms and they have an option for reviewing or subscribing, please subscribe to me. Send me a five-star review and maybe I'll read it on the next episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and have yourselves a great night.